So today we are joined by Luke O'Brien, who's managing director of O'Brien's Bottle Shop in Huddersfield. Welcome. How are you doing, mate? I'm all right. Yeah, pretty good. A beer in already. I know. We've been talking for for what half an hour. We've had a couple of beers just before this. Half an hour. Absolutely. I feel like we've uh, we've got into that stage where it's going to be fluid. <laughs> How are you doing, Danny? You okay? I not too bad. Not too bad. Fantastic. You're looking very well. You've had a haircut, I can tell. That's it. Five months. I've been wearing a cap for five months and finally managed to get the ginger locks free now. So, yes, it's uh, it's good. Okay. Busy away with the tap room and everything and reopening. Obviously, you guys came down for the first uh, first Saturday. Did we? We had a, I had a very heavy hangover after that, after that day. <clears throat> it was cracking. It was just really good to, to have... See people out and out and about again. You know, the, the weather was really good. And mon- Monday, the 17th of May today. So we've had the announcement that we are going to be reopening. It's not the 17th today. It's the 10th today. So we're going to be opening next week. It all feels like things are getting back to normal. So without further ado, let's find out more about you. So you launched the shop back in, I think it was August 2020. How did that idea initially come about? Um, well, we were, we, we quite wanted, we sort of, I do the shop with my uh, wife. Mm. She just brought some beers in, by the way. I don't know. Oh, legend. Um, but Life calls. Yeah, I just texted her and she brought some beers up. I mean, it's never happened before. I think it's just because I'm on the podcast. But um, yeah, we, we basically sort of toyed with the idea and then we went to America, to Atlanta, mm. just before like the pandemic hit and, and exploded everywhere. And um, so we were like sort of doing a bit of research and we went to this sort of really cool bar in Atlanta and at the back of it was a bottle shop and they just sold American beers. Mm-hmm. And we were like, why does no one do this in England? Like just mostly sell English beers. Um, and they sold natural wine and, and all this stuff. And it was just all American produce. Mm-hmm. Um, they had a kind of a, a, an international section, which was like, that's six beers wide, uh, just full of like Belgian beers, basically, yeah. like, with a can of Boddington's shoved mm-hmm. in the corner, because that's all we have to offer the yeah. world, apparently. Um, and we just thought it would be cool to do that in the UK to make a kind of craft beer supermarket, kind of like a um, bargain booze format, mm. but with a, with a bar in it, mm. um, but just for, for craft beer and stuff. And and then the pandemic hit uh whilst we were kind of formulated the idea so then we just kind of pivoted mm. just online only to begin with um yeah. i just thought we'd start really small and just see how it went and it's it's gone well um you know and we like our ambition in the long term i think is to is to to, to do like a like the original kind of thing that we intended to do mm. um but for now we're just focusing on kind of a smaller uh sort of operation and and just keeping it like a little bit kind of small intentionally yeah. so it's manageable yeah because so otherwise you, i think i just and grow then can't it you can get bigger and bigger it's, it's interesting you say that because i know danny we've had a few um previous producers on in the past and something that always comes up is pivoting on the back of covid19 obviously yeah that's it and i think like luke your timing's been perfect for it because obviously everyone's been at home and they've been trying to put in you know they can't go to the pub so they're thinking how can I get better beers at home and that's when we've seen our online sales grow massively 
And it's because people are trying to find different things. They don't want to, they're, they're bored of the macro stuff in the, te- you know, in Tesco's and Asda and whatever. So they're looking for these people that can give them these good beers. And if you guys can provide a whole range of breweries and different beers that are doing, it's, it's, you know, the timing's worked out perfectly. I think, yeah, that's, that's sort of the, the, cut, the, the ethos behind what we intended to do. Mm. Like, we, it's funny, really, because we, we try and sell beers that are like, because we stick to mostly British, so like 80% of our stock is British. Mm. And we, we carry a small international section. Um, but like, what we try and do is find the weirdest British stuff we can. Or our kind of like thing is if we've not seen it somewhere else, then we'll like dive on it. Like it. Um, as, as like a thing. Sometimes we get beaten to the punch and it's really annoying. Sometimes we're like speaking to people and then we just see like a bottle shop bring the same beer out. And we're like, fuck's sake. <laughs> but, uh, you know, that's that's capitalism and competition, which is a good thing. But, you know, I think that it was kind of cool to just only start online because then it kind of gave us a freedom of like, we could just have like, six bottles of something if the producer is really small and they can't sell us a lot we just have six bottles of something because no one can see how little we've got of it mm. online um and it meant that we we didn't have like any expectation and we were just totally new so people weren't you know coming to us for like ipas or or a particular kind of beer we were just like let's just try any, any beer is up for grabs as long as it's kind of british and that was our like motivation sort of behind the, the quirkier the better yeah kind of i mean we try we're trying to get we, we're conscious that we kind of maybe lent into that a bit too much um with like mixed firm beer and sours and stuff like that we don't tend to really go for like ipas and stuff like we'll pick a brewery and most breweries sell you know like ipas and things like that but we kind of pick a brewery based on the weirder beers mm. and then sort of push the core range into the, into the mix as well. Um, but yeah, we, I think the thing is with like pivoting, we, we kept saying the other day, because we're opening a shop soon and it's going to be a bar. We were yeah. like, well, we've got to build COVID into it. Mm. So none of the seating is going to be fixed down or, or anything like that. And it's just those little touches that would kind of help if it all kind of blows up again. Yeah we can just really easily adapt and, and kind of move with what's going on rather than having to like sort of, you know, let it pass you by and things like that, which is a big lesson that we learned. Yeah. You, I mean, you, you mentioned that as well, because you, you're renovating the shop that's going to open at the moment, aren't you? I think you put out something recently, which, which was saying, you know, is there a, a flavor and they spilled a beer over then? Is there a flavor <laughs> to have, um, you know, like a, a, a small pop-up area where people can come and buy their beers from surely the demand would be there for that. Yeah, we, we were just talking about it. So we, the bar's got quite a bit of a way to go before we could pour. I mean, I was just at the, I was just at the, the shop just mm. then and we were drilling a big four inch hole to put the Python line in to, to bring the draft beer out. Right. Yeah. Um, so it's a long way off being able to sort of pour a beer tap out of the wall. But we just thought, well, pick, the, the kind of following and the uptake and the enthusiasm has been really nice among the local kind of crowd. Mm. And we thought, well, we've got a warehouse full of this beer. Mm. We've just been buying it up, just waiting to be sold. 
and and sort of distributed and stuff like that. And so we just thought, well, why not just get it out there? You know, it's an amazing like looking it. building you guys got. Uh, is there any history behind it? Yeah, it's um, it's an old butcher's. So it was uh, before we got it. It was an Age UK uh, charity shop. Uh, and then before that, it was a fabric shop or something like that. They used to sell M&S returns or <laughs> God knows what. Uh, but then before that, yeah, it was butchers called um, Metrics, Metric mm-hmm. Brothers Butchers. Um, and it was pretty intense as a butchers. I mean, they own all, they used to own all the buildings around our building. Mm-hmm. And I'm pretty sure they used to bring in the pigs alive and sort of dispatch them in, in the back. Uh, and then minutes later, they were turned into pork pies, um, you know, which is not, you know, it's kind of weird because that was really, that was a long time ago. I think we're talking maybe it, they shut kind of 70s, late 70s. Wow. So I hope you guys are going to follow suit and start selling M&S returns and pork yeah. pies, yeah? Yeah. So so what we're going to do is uh, we're going to sell charity shop goods M&S returns, pork pies, and then we're going to add on the beer. Yeah, that's that's exactly the kind of shop I want to go to. Yeah, and then we're going to have a live pig in the mix to, uh, you know... Just to to keep it spicy. (laughs) Yeah, apparently, right. So we pulled up the floor. It had this horrible old lino on it. We pulled it all up, and there was blood stains on the floor. (laughs) Because they've obviously just put the lino straight up they were like one day it was a butcher's the next day it wasn't like should we clean it nah yeah just cover it with with lino it was definitely blood as well like i'm i'm pretty sure (laughs) nothing else looks like that i've seen enough action films to know you know what a pool of blood looks like love it love it so it's the shopping Um, i I might murder this name is it holmes firth yeah it's home first it's funny that uh we speak to um sam from daya a lot mm. and he says it like that as well it's where they film last of summer wine oh nice yeah i used to love that program you know mm. i've never seen it. i mean i've seen like bits of it but i've never seen it there's like a little bus that goes around the village and and stuff which is like a last of summer wine tour blast from the past so is that how you two know each other danny do you supply some of your weird and wacky beers to luke yeah, so I saw Luke's uh, beer reviews and I saw the branding and I loved it. So I sent these guys a few samples and then they got a few bits and pieces in. And then uh, it turns out Luke's got a, a mutual friend of ours, that like we've got a mutual friend in, uh, in Matt, Matt Buckets. Oh, yeah, yeah. So Matt's, uh, Matt's a graphic designer influencer as well that's from around our part. So we He's been to the brewery before and we've sent him a few beers. So it's a small world, isn't it? Yeah. Well, you know, I was talking about doing a podcast and mm-hmm. trying to do one. Well, I did one with Matt and I just totally fucked it up. <laughs> <laughs> so I sent Matt some beers and then, um, yeah, we, uh, I just screwed up the whole Zoom call podcast thing and, the quality is like it, it was just shocking so i mean if you listen to mine and connor's podcast uh i think you will have done all right yeah I, I well i had a look and you know i think you guys probably a bit hard on yourselves because mine was terrible like so bad have you got the same footage anywhere because i, I kind of want to see this at some point now 
I'll, I'll see if I can get it out. I've, I've sort of, I edited it all up and then I sort of abandoned it. But I, yeah, it's hard. It's, it's a hard thing to do because I, I'm quite interested because we talk to loads of breweries um, and we're quite friendly with them. So we always try and like be, you know, not like, not like sucking up to people, but we just try and like be friendly to breweries. Yeah, make connections. Yeah. Yeah. Like, and just work on that. Um, rather than just like it being a transactional relationship. Yeah. Um, and I think it, people, I could probably sort of be a key to unlocking a lot of breweries for, for people mm. and stuff. So I thought it'd be quite a cool thing to start to interview them and talk to people of the breweries and things like that and do this, do, do a cool podcast about <laughs> beers and, and, and small business and blah, blah, blah. Uh, but I've no fucking idea how to do it. So. I, just, I, I just say do it. I just say get it, just do it, and then pop it out there. And then once it's out there, it is what it is. I'm what I mean. I mean, Connor bought a microphone, and that's literally all the background research he did. So I won't <laughs> worry about it. Yeah, but that looks that looks fucking. Oh, I know that's all you need, mate. Just a microphone. <laughs> Could well, I just put a graphic one in over yeah, like do an that, overlay? Do that. Just a little like. But you can you can do it. You can literally do it with just what you've got now, and it's it, it'd be fine. It'd be fine. And this didn't cost too much. You look, I don't know what it does. It just makes my my voice louder. But no, it's it's a. I'd say if you want to do it, do it. I've not looked back. So one hundred percent think about it. All the wow. gear, no idea, aren't you, Connor? Indeed, mate. You know that. Indeed. <laughs> it's all in the edit, though. It's all in the edit. Yeah. You can make. You can crush someone or you can elevate them in yeah. the edit. Yeah. yeah. To be fair, I've given a lot of shit, but he does put a lot of time into the edit. Yeah. Well, you guys are just saying that you, you did an edited for like 11 hours. Yeah. So, well, to be fair, because I was trying not to crush Danny too much. But like, honestly, I think if we re- listen back to it, me, like, there's so much content that is just me gabbling on. You know, you can't tell what I'm saying. And then we we just forgot what we we're talking about, me and Danny. So, but well, he, we we just ended up being two mates, like just having a booze up, didn't we? It was the, the best one I've done. Like for fun, like I think. But I think at that point as well, I was being a peasant. And I didn't have Zoom Pro, so there was a 45 minute time limit. We were on oh for- yeah, so we had to do it like four or five times, didn't we? Got a forty-five minute limit on oh, it. Like redialing in. Yeah, so I'd, be <laughs> like, I'd be like, I'd have to stop him. I'd be like, Danny, 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 Danny. You've got thirty seconds. Uh, I'm, like, I'm going for a pee and just saying, I'll see you in ten. <laughs> and then I had to go to Instagram, sending the new link, and then the more drunk we got, the like the longer the time periods we were talking got because we were just both. <laughs> it was good. It was really good fun. Um, but go, obviously, going back to alcohol, one one thing I did notice about your bottle shop was. Um, you've got a fairly big range of non-alcoholic beers. Uh, I'm going to ask this question to both of you. I'll start with you, Luke. How how much demand is there for non-alcoholic beer at the moment? It's really it's a really weird one, right? We we wanted to do it because my I've, I've got um, you know like personal experience and a family member who sort of struggle with it, mm. um, and they always said to me. There's just no non-alcoholic beer that is interesting, mm. like that's craft beer. Yeah. Um, and I was like, well, I'm sure there is, and mm. there, there definitely is out there if you look for it. Um, and there's some really interesting non-alcoholic beer. Um, we we don't sell a lot of it, but I don't think it's because that there's not a demand for it. Mm. We're just not a place you would go for it. Mm. I think we. 
we carry uh, we we try and carry a bit and we we are going to expand it that's that is a plan um we are actually doing a non-alcoholic beer collab with uh, mash gang who oh, are one nice. of the guys yeah. that we stopped um, i was just on the phone to him today actually talking about it um and it's going to be uh uh custard trifle sour um and we tried the test batch of it and it was really really good and it was as good as any sour beer that anyone you could buy in our shop but just not call it mm. um, apart from farmyard yeah apart from farmyard. <laughs> but we uh i think that we just wanted to do something bit a bit different for mm. the kind of the sake of doing something a bit more out there but also that i think that that kind of space should be given a bit of respect um and it's growing massively and i know it's growing in supermarkets and there's people kind of stepping into the game and it's getting bigger and bigger on a mass appeal thing but then like people like mash gang and there's like low tide as well who, who are really good are pushing in this like they're trying to push it as a sort of you know format of beer that is an interesting unexplored space right you know any uh, you know how many fucking combinations of dry hopped ipa are there mm. surely we live in a world where the possibilities have been exceeded mm. but you know i don't know but we i think it's important we do it and we're still going to push on with it like we're going to keep even if we don't sell any of them i'm just still going to do it because i think it's just something that needs like the craft small craft low alcohol beer space i think needs like a bit of people like bot independent bottle shops buying into it a bit more and giving people that come to you know you're opening that bar i want people to feel like anyone can come to that bar and enjoy themselves even if they don't drink but they want to drink alcohol free because i think that that would make me like the, the we were talking about earlier before we sort of started about supermarket craft beer forums and yeah. and all that kind of stuff and there's all this stuff for me where craft beer is like people are trying to make craft beer an exclusive thing and you know it should you should only you shouldn't sell in supermarkets and this and that but and you should only it, it has to be this exact thing and it's really precious and people take it really seriously which i appreciate you know it's a big thing and people should take it seriously but also at the same time we should be trying to expand who can enjoy it more um and i think for like health conscious people as well like you might not want to sit and drink five cans of you know beer on a night you might want to have like some non-alcoholic options that are that are as cool and as interesting and as intriguing as 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 normal mm. you know full abv craft beer yeah yeah well, you mentioned that it's, it's it's a market in in america it's predicted to be i think it's the 30 billion pound uh, 30 billion dollars worth in by 2030 so it's obviously the demand is there and it's increasing and increasing and increasing it's interesting what you say there that you kind of feel like you've got a conscious decision to to have an input on making that bigger, that market bigger, if that makes sense. Um, what, what about yourself, Danny? Have you ever looked into into brewing non-alcoholic booze at Farmyard? Yeah, so, I mean, it's a weird one. So, it is, isn't it? <laughs> I mean, I was literally, I was on the, I was on the non-alcohol stuff yesterday. So, I was at the tap room 
uh, I had about a pint and a half and I was there all day. And I had a pint and a half and I was like, right, I'm on the narcotic stuff now because I'm going to drive home later. Uh, and we had the Nirvana Bruco, which is like an alcohol-free brewing company. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was good stuff. I enjoyed it. But I think the demand is there, but it's not there in the quantity. And it's the same as everything. So, like, we get people going, oh, it'd be great to see a, we want to see a mild. Oh, we want to see a mild. And then you brew mild and people don't buy it. No fucker buys it. No one buys it. And it's the same with the alcohol-free stuff, I feel like. So we did the table beer mm. and people are like, oh, yeah, we want to see a low ABV table beer. But people do want it, but it's for a very specific reason they want it. And they'll buy one or two. They're not going to buy, you know, if I go on a night out, I might buy six to eight pints. Mm. Is someone who's going to go out and not drink going to buy six to eight pints of alcohol-free beer? Yeah. No, they're not. Mm. Do you I, know think, what I mean? Yeah, I think I think that the challenge is people like me who, I mean, I, I, it's not often I go out and don't drink because I, I I don't know I just don't put the two together going out and not drinking. Um, but I guess if I wasn't drinking, let's say I'm going for a meal and I'm driving, I just probably wouldn't think about having a non-alcoholic lager. I just get yeah. There are some good ones out there. It's just it's just like like say, are you gonna have? Are you gonna have like four or six of them? You're You're probably not. You're going to have one or two maybe at most. And then also it's difficult because there's a few ways of doing it. So you can either brew a beer and Mm. burn the alcohol off. So you can brew a beer that's going to be like 4% and burn the alcohol off. And that makes an alcohol-free beer. Or you can brew it literally to 0.5%. But the body's just not there. So you're not getting the same thing. It's, It's very difficult to get that through and like the nirvana stuff i was having yesterday was great because it had like good hoppy flavor but it was very thin and that's no that's not me bad mark you know bad mouth and them those guys not edited it's just not edited. <laughs> you no, don't edit in. don't <laughs> edit it but it was like it was a very tasty and i had like i probably had three or four of them and i enjoyed them yeah but because the alcohol is not there the body's not there and the sugar's not there to give that body you are always lacking so I think it's going to be very hard to make that perfect alcohol-free beer. If you could give me a pint of, let's say, Yarl from Fine, you give me a pint of Yarl that's alcohol-free and it tastes exactly the same, winner, winner, I'll drink that all night and drive home. But it's not going to happen mm. because the alcohol's level's not there. Don't get me wrong, there's going to be alternatives, but I don't think it's ever going to be quite the same because yeah. the body's not going to be there. Okay. Okay. Well, I, I I wish it was, and yeah. I, I wish it, you know, because I could. I'd love to go out and just go out for a meal, and drink three or four pints, and drive home. But it's it's always going to be a little bit lacking, I think. So if 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 you had to drink a non-alcoholic, any non-alcoholic beer, um, for the rest of your life, Luke, what would it be? <clears throat> but mash for me. Mash Gangs California and Common is just class. Like they're doing a 500 mil can, mm. and it's that's the thing with non-alcoholic beer is it has no body to mm. it. It has no like thickness. No like when you drink a beer, half of it is just like being satisfied by the first sip that you take. Yeah, and 
that's what I find with like non-alcoholic beers not got that that like you drink it and you go like yeah no like the the refreshing element of it yeah just on just to elaborate on that point is uh who's the big Erdinger Erdinger do an alcohol-free beer and they have to like put sugar into it and it's actually classed as an isotonic drink so they give out marathons same as Lucasade Okay. And they have to put all that sugar in to give it that body because it's not there because it's alcohol-free. Because beer is actually good for you. Mm. Like If you take the alcohol out of it, it's full of iron and loads of shite like that. Mm. And I think that that's like a... The thing with a lot of non-alcoholic things is they're trying to make it like it's a healthy drink. Yeah. When you don't drink beer to be healthy, you yeah. literally drink it because it's unhealthy and bad for you. It gets you drunk and you feel like really a, good. Like a release. It's a it's a it's a release from reality, isn't it? It's literally enjoying yourself after a heavy a heavy week. <laughs> I mean, I'm yeah. having <laughs> there's all these alcohol free beers as well. There was, I read an article the other day and it's like plenty of it that are like got more sugar than uh, if you have a can of alcohol free beer, mm. you're having more sugar than you are in a can of coke because they're putting that sugar in there to give that body. Jesus, so they're replacing it with something that's probably worse off than you. That's yeah, so imagine if you're on a night out and you're not drinking, you have like five cans of, five, four, 40 mil cans as well of alcohol-free beer, mm. and it's worse for you than Coke. You wouldn't, you'd never go out and drink that much in Coke, would you? No, 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 no. no there's no chance. I, I, one thing that I don't, I, I'm, this will be interesting to, to hear what you two say about it, but I've got some mates who drink things like rum and Coke all night. So they'll have like 10 or 11 rum and cokes, you know, with full fat coke and a single measure of rum in it. And I just think, like, how how can you wake up and not feel absolutely horrific? Well, to be fair, I don't think I could drink that much gold kit anyway. Um, But I mean, rum's quite sickly as well. If it's something like a Sailor Jerry's, which it tends to be. So synthetic and it's so sugary and sweet, but it's what people enjoy, isn't it? That's why I like. The, uh, that's why the fruited cider market's played off is because there's no alcohol, you know, alcohol pops are not a trendy thing now. Mm. Well, alcohol pops have just been replaced by fruited cider. Right. I mean? Dark fruit is um, a very, very popular one near me. I, I hate the stuff, but a lot, of, again, a lot of my mates drink it over and over again. I just think, how can you? How can you? Basically, it's basically they want to get drunk, but they don't like the taste of alcohol. That's it. I think though with, with it is like a lot of people I know don't drink beer because it, it makes them feel bloated. Mm. Like, you know, loads of people, you go on a night out. Mm. If you t- We're talking about beer for drinking on nights out mm. here. I think, you know, you go on a night out and you drink like five or six beers. Mm. And then a lot of people I know switch then to like a gin and tonic, yeah. like a light, easy. Mm. You know, you're already kind of loaded up and you switch into that. I think it's because a lot of beers make people feel bloated and, and whatever. But like in my in my experience, when you drink, and it sounds this is like the most fucking poncy thing ever to say. Wait, <laughs> right. So, but when you drink, I think when you drink like really high quality beer, mm. you don't you don't get those kind of feelings they say like you know they go oh, if you drink natural wine because there's nothing in it it's just grapes and no you know, tannins yeah you don't get a hangover from it and i mean i've definitely got a hangover from that oh it's all thing. it's all bollocks yeah. you either don't drink enough of it mm. or 
you know, you're some sort of magician that doesn't get a hangover. But is, like, is there is this an old what old wives' tale, right? So I went to Oktoberfest in Munich, and do they have purity laws over there? Yeah, they do. Yeah, it's called the Reinhutzgebot. I might have pronounced that wrong, but yeah. And I ask now because I, I genuinely. We, we only, we didn't have any shots or anything in uh, Oktoberfest. We just drank beer after beer after beer, um, or Stein, as, you, as they call them over there. And um, the hangovers were, were nowhere near as bad in the UK. And we were thinking, I wonder if, if it's because of that purity law. I wonder if there is any truth behind that. Well, the purity law means basically like you can only put hops, yeast and water in your beer. Right. I mean, there are some things where you put fruit in lambics and things, but... It, like you, you, when you see over here, you get like milkshake IPAs and stuff. You won't see that over there because okay. of the Ryan Hutzkebut or whatever it's called. Um, so, I mean, the hangover thing, I think, is is a load of bollocks in terms of like people like, oh, I could only drink natural wine and I won't get hungover because, you know, if you're drinking booze, you're going to get hungover. Mm. But essentially, it's the ethanol and methanol being processed by your liver. That's what gives you the hangover. Okay. I'm glad so in a nutshell, basically, if you don't want a hangover, then come to O'Brien's Bottle Shop and we can furnish you with uh, lots of alcohol-free beer. There we go. If you do want a hangover, we can also cater to that very Love. strongly. That's, that's the sound bite we need, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> sound bite we need. But talk, talking about tasting alcohol, look, you've obviously been doing a hell of a lot of beer reviews over the past few months. And me and Danny have mentioned them before. Danny actually sent me sent them over to me and said, you know, you, sh- you should really do this. And I thought, I don't need to be drinking any more booze. That I don't know. But they're really, really entertaining. Like, they're, they're really, really good. And you should definitely keep them up. But what... Um, because I think I think I look back one at one. It was like episode eleven of doing it. But what made you want to start doing that? Um, yeah, I mean, like I've I've just taken a hiatus from them briefly because I need to just like we're doing the shop and stuff like that. So I needed to just like I usually do them on a Saturday mm. um, midday, and really it's a write off for the afternoon because I try and do about if I started with one beer. And then I try and cram in as much content as possible. So I started to like move to two or three beers. Um, but I basically wanted to give an, a totally honest, un kind of like totally real reaction to just drinking a beer. Mm. Unbiased review, like. Yeah, yeah, that's the word I was looking for. Yeah. Like an unbiased thing. Like I'm not, we sell it. I mean, I don't need to like every beer we sell because, you know, everyone's different. I, I just like particular kind of beers or... Yeah, that's absolutely. And I think that it's... I, I wouldn't ever, like, bash a beer down or anything like that. Um, but, yeah, I just thought it would be a fun kind of way to make these kind of, like, shit on purpose videos. Uh, <laughs> oh, really, they really aren't shit. They're, they're genuinely entertaining, aren't they, Danny? Yeah, they're great. Like you just narrow it down because I think the thing is with like beer reviews a lot of time they 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 like you know they take so long doing them and they weigh it out so long whereas if you can do a 30 second beer review mm. perfect to the point mm. job's done well the 30 second thing so if you do an Instagram reel it's you can only do 30 seconds mm. worth of content mm. which I thought was like an interesting challenge of what could you could could I do it it, and my like first idea was to actually just time myself like put a timer on just drink it review it and i was like it's just never you know 
you spend 15 seconds opening the can and looking at it or whatever. Um, and so what I do is I record probably about per can, probably the review is about 15 minutes. Mm-hmm. I do like three beers or I'll do 15 minutes worth of footage. Mm. And I, I like will film the can, it open, pour it in a glass. And it's all sort of separated and I break it down. But then the actual bit where I try the beers, I just literally try the beer, get on to the next one, try the beer, try the beer. And I just thought it would be a fun way of, of doing something, again, just trying to do something different to like a YouTube in-depth mm. beer review. I'm drinking this not from the perspective of I need to know that it's got cryo hops in it or yeah. that it's been fermented for in, in fucking oak barrels for 12 months and stuff like that like all that stuff i believe in and i support wholeheartedly because people should innovate but mm-hmm. i also think you're as a consumer as a, like a person that drinks beer the proof's in the pudding you crack a beer yeah. and no what it, it could be the most expensive beer or the least expensive beer mm-hmm. if you like it you like it and that's yeah that's There's what i'm a- trying to kind of get across mm-hmm. I think you basically cutting out all the hype. Yeah, and um, I'm really intolerant to sour beers, um, which people sort of seem to like. Yeah, I mean, you know what? I I never really liked them, and then Danny introduced me to one when we went up to um, his tap room in Farmyard Ales, and uh, very good. Sour. I really like. I really liked it. I really really sour plow. Yeah. Yeah, um, and also I had another one. It was like a peach Melba sours. Um, Mancoats General Store in Manchester, and I had it was a really sunny day, and I was like, "Do you know what? I really, really like that." So I think I'm even drinking this. What am I drinking at the moment? This has been in in my fridge since Christmas. I got it as a birthday gift present, birthday gift, a Christmas present. Um, and there was like five or six different beers in there. Loved them all, but this is a black ale. And I've said to Danny in the past, I ha- I hate things like that. I'm enjoying this, so I think I am being more experimental now, without a doubt. I think it's the thing is like what what annoys me about craft beer. I know I, I hate talking ranting about this. What what annoys me about it is that is like you know there's this sort of like a brewerial crack out like a uh, you know black IPA or something mm-hmm. because it's like a trend and there's some hype around like then then you see it all over and and we especially see it because you know we're we're exposed to what listings breweries do and stuff like that and I think like just make people stuff that you like that mm. you would like to drink most people yeah. I really like low ABV session ales mm. or Schoffer Hoffer grapefruit beer because yeah. they're, they're sick of drinking like deepers and triple IPAs and stuff like that they just want to like unwind with a with a bit and I don't think it's bad to do that but I think that it's it's a really interesting thing that like there's this sort of there's these kind of beers that, that exist out there that are like hype beers that are just, you know, everyone's got to try and you're meant to taste it and, mm. and stuff like that. But I just think, well, you just, you should just be free to choose whatever you like. And exactly, and who, yeah. Who are we, bottle shop owners and, and stuff like that to say, you should like, you know, this IPA because it's amazing. We just put it out there. We just facilitate the distribution of it. Yeah. And that's it. Like, that's all our job is to pass it on. I think that's what we do well is we're like we've got eight core beers, which is a lot for the size brew we are, but we've got everything from a best bitter up to a coffee milk stout. 
And then we do the weird and wonderful stuff on top of that. So I, I always think beer is inclusive, not exclusive. Yeah. So wine is very much, ex, you know, the wine culture is it's yeah. very much exclusive, isn't it? So like if you start getting into the good wine, you know, it's too much money. Whereas like beer should be inclusive and like try and like, if anyone comes to our tap room, I know I've got something for our, my granddad. I know I've got something with my sister, my dad, whoever. Yeah. And try and get everyone involved and say, like, try little bits and pieces of this, try, you know, different pieces and try and keep everyone engaged in it rather than like trying to exclude people going like, oh, if you don't like lager, then you're not, you can't taste our stuff or X, Y, and Z, you know? I think that's the, that is the right ethos is the like you need to without there's that thing appeal to everyone you appeal to no one like that is exactly that is a true that is 100 true but just if you like beer then we'll appeal to you like that's what i think craft like you guys are doing that and you know you've got a broad like a deep bench of, of core range i think that that's that's what you need to have. You need to just have these beers that like you pour in all the time, but are diverse. You're not just going in on one thing. And I get mm-hmm. some smaller breweries should do that. They should just be in on one, one kind of beer yeah, and then expand out. But like bigger breweries and stuff like that should just really look at like a deeper sort of bench of beers, trying to appeal to people. Like the thing, the thing that drives me crazy is lager. Like, if you like beer, I don't know a single person that likes beer that doesn't like good lager. Yeah. Like, it's crazy. But then not a lot of craft breweries make a good, an actual proper good made lager because it's expensive, it takes a long time. And there's all these... the macros as well. Like the macros making it so cheap. Yeah. That, yeah. that you can't put... You know, we can turn around a, an IPA and... 10 days yeah there's a big hot bill but a lager takes six weeks yeah whereas a macro might turn around in four days and then wore it down so they might brew something that's like nine percent in four days and then wore it down and sell it out they're far cheaper than we can do it it's interesting i, did, I didn't i think you've put, touched on it before danny the difference between the the brewing process of lager and things like ale and and, and all sorts of other things but i've never really looked at it like that because obviously from from the outside looking in, at the end of the day, you are a business, aren't you? A, a, a brewery mm. is a business, so you've got to think about these kind of things. But the consumer side of it's just like, well, do it. What Money's- kind of what kind of beers do you like, kind of like what what's like your? Ask, ask me, ask me six, well, not even six months ago, six weeks ago, and I'd be saying, you know, Peroni. Um, I've done a few podcasts where he's got a few Coronas knocking around. Look, there's nothing wrong with it. <laughs> I think I just didn't really until I met Danny and until I started speaking to um, you know beer producers and people in the industry never really had that that confidence to try something just in case I didn't like it um, I'm, I'm loving this I'm enjoying this I've been up to Danny's um, Gaff Farmyard Ales a few times and I really want to go to that he's, he's a cracking place you went through the whole uh, the whole taps I think when you were there <laughs> <laughs> You've got to try everything, aren't you? But Plowing through the taps. I mean, we've got about 14 keg lines and three cast lines. I think you went through everything. I, I literally did. He's not even playing up for the podcast. I think I literally tried everything. 
Um, but but it's just now I'm, I'm more than happy to just give it a go. And I, I do now subconsciously. I think I think the issue is there's not not that many bars now which have like a, a really good craft craft lager or craft ale on draft for me. Uh, and obviously I know they're in, in the cans and look fantastic, but I think <laughs> I'd rather have a, a draft pint when I go out to bars and stuff. But now, like I said, I mentioned Dan Coates General Store. Danny, you, you need to get involved with those because you go in there and the so yeah, I spoke to them the other day. Unbelievable selection! It is incredible. Yeah. I'll send you a video after, and I, I go in there now when um, when the weather's decent, and I'll buy. I was going to say eight, but I'm going to be reserved and say four or five different craft craft beers. Like, don't don't look at what type they are. Don't go off the name, which I used to do. I'll just be like, what do I fancy? I'll give them all a go. And some I do like, some I don't like. So to answer your question, I don't really have a niche now in terms of what I will and won't drink out. I think as consciously, subconsciously, as someone who has got a craft lager, craft ale element of their podcast, I need to now start looking into into different things. So I'll, I'll try anything these days. I feel like you've never, I'm not saying anything against you, but like you never got into the Belgian, German, Lambic side of things as well, which is exciting. Right, I've no, never get get me. That's, that's the thing. Like that's re- that's really exciting. Like uh, to be at that position where you have got like this huge depth of stuff that's full of mad history and like just amazing producers and all this kind of stuff. Like that's really ex- an exciting kind of. If you're into getting into craft beer, that's that is like the best position to be in. I like remember a few years ago where I I was like that, and we we did a trip to Brussels and we just it just blew my mind. Like I thought Brussels was just like do I thought Belgian beer was just do well, yeah. yeah, yeah, which I'd have when I was pissed at a bar and think, well, yeah, I'll have a I'll have a do well, please, like that, and uh, thinking because it's a strong beer or something, yeah. but then you know like, there's just this huge spectrum. To it and well, I think that's the that's the difference, isn't it? Like me and you are excited to think Connor can go and explore those styles rather than thinking, oh, he hasn't explored those styles. Yeah, yeah. Where you know, we're excited to think he can go and try all these things. Mm. Whereas a few breweries, a few bottle shops that are like, if you haven't explored those things, then we want nothing to do with you. But it's like someone saying to you, you know, oh, have you heard um smells like teen spirit by Nirvana? And then so you say to them, no, I've not heard it. And they go, you've not heard Smells Like Teen And I'm no. like, no, fucking not heard it. So yeah, what well, are you going to tell me about it? There's also a point where they've not heard it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I think that there's that thing where it's like you you say someone, oh, well, someone said to me the other day, they were like, yeah, I'm, I can't wait to get back to the pubs because of this. Uh, I'm getting to have this lager on tap. And I thought, Never fucking heard that in my life. Then I felt I didn't feel comfortable because I'm like a bit in the craft beer world now. Mm. I didn't feel comfortable saying to them, "What the fuck are you on about?" Mm. Like because I've never had it, and the likelihood of it is that it's probably one of the few German lagers that is mm. popular in the UK that I've just never come into contact with in mm. any way. Mm. But it doesn't mean that I'm no more of a it was all about the attitude of it, you know what I mean? Yeah, I just you just kind of makes you. It's feel not about it. shaming people. I think there's a lot of breweries out there that like love to shame people, but mm-hmm. like that's not what it's about. It's about educating people. Yeah. So we're in the arson to nowhere, 
I mean, Connor, you you know that. <laughs> I do. Um, but I've said to you pros and cons to that, mate, and I think the pros are outweigh the cons. Absolutely, but like we used to get like seventy-year-old guys coming in, going, "I won't drink that beer unless I can read my newspaper through it." And now these same people are coming back, going, "Oh, what imperial stuff we got on? What sour beers you got on?" Mm. We got we got this guy, um, and he he lives. So we live in a really small village in sort of just outside Huddersfield called Stocksmoor. Yeah. The next village along is a place called Shepley. And they're bigger than us because they've got a co-op and more than one pub. Okay. And we've got, well, no, they've got a train station as well, actually. <laughs> they're sort of, we're on par. Yeah. But there's a guy who lives there who's friends with the uh, Nigel, the pottery guy. Mm-hmm. Obviously, Nigel's introduced him to us. Mm-hmm. And every couple of weeks, he just buys a bag of the maddest shit. like he buys beers that almost no one buys from our shop talking like 10% IPAs and plum fermented mixed fermentation beer Mm. and and all this crazy stuff. And I like, I took it to him, you know, he's probably about 50 or 60 years old, this guy. And I took, took, and he really unlikely looks like someone who'd be into it. Mm. And I was like, really good, uh, really good, sort of mad selection there and he's just like yeah I just want to try them all just Fair play. I only started craft beer like a couple of months ago and just I just want to try everything yes. like yeah as soon as you can tell people about it stuff and like they're well into it give it a little bit of education and they're, they're straight in mm, I like that that's a good outlook time ladies and gentlemen now in the Raising the Bar podcast which is the podcast that I run alongside our monthly special with Danny and Farmyard Ales, we ask every single guest to go to the Erasing the Bar jukebox, put one song on and one song only. Luke, I'm I'm throwing you under the bus here, mate. I've not told you about this, but which song are you putting on? Mine was Immigrant Song, Led Zeppelin. Yeah, it's a good choice, that. Um, What was yours? Um, I don't think I've been asked this, you know. Actually, yeah, Connor, let's put you under the spotlight. Look, What's we'll yours? You under, uh, the interviewee is, is doing the talking now. Uh, I like it, Luke. Let's put him under pressure. Curtis Mayfield, move on up. Oh, love that song. Um, <laughs> for me... Nailed that, to be fair. I was hoping you wouldn't nail it. <laughs> I knew someone had asked him one day. <laughs> you know, for me, The Clash, it's a very much spectrum. Uh, you know, I, I, I love The Clash more than I like most things. An unusual amount. I mean, you know, Spotify do that, like, your 2019, yeah. your 2020, yeah. your 20, whatever, nearly for, like, pretty solidly since about 2017, every top three is just the three different Clash songs I listen to the most that year. Love it. Absolutely love it. So have you, have you managed to narrow which song? I don't know, man. I'm, I'm going to, right, I'm going to be broad. Right, I'm going to say The Magnificent Seven because that is just a ridiculous tune. Everyone likes Rock Caspar. Mm. That's like what I play at nightclubs. Mm. But if they Lock count... the Taskbar, that's what we used to call it. That's what we used to call it at uni, Lock the Taskbar. And I was always say like, your iPhones is like, Lock the Taskbar, Lock the Taskbar. <laughs> that's a terrible appropriation of the Clash. Well... <laughs> That's why yeah, we yeah, the boys are about so much more. Clash, Clash super fan over here, Danny. Can't say that. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs>
Um, we're getting to the back end of the podcast now, unfortunately, because I'm, I'm having a great time. Danny, you're having a great time. Luke, oh, you're having a great time too. Yeah, absolutely. Um, um, I think you're doing great things. And, and Danny, you're a massive fan. I know you've, you've spoken very, very highly of, of Luke before I met you. Um, so yeah, you keep, keep doing it. Keep doing it. And the bar will be great. The bar will be really good. When we're looking for that? Well, we're going to... Uh, Amy to open June 30th. as like a full-blown opening. Mm. No, that was that was perfect. I was really gesticulating there. Full blown mm. opening June thirtieth, and then which is a Wednesday. Mm. So we'll probably do like a kind of a invite people and test the waters. So mm. it's not too public. We have a Saturday. Uh, yeah, an out of town preview in town, and then probably like proper advertised launch on the Friday of that of that yeah. week. Um, and then we're going to try, not this weekend, but next weekend, to open every Saturday in the lead up to that with like a kind of a beers to go sort of mm. teaser proposition yeah. kind of thing. Um, and we're going to, you know, just try and push a lot of new beers and stuff like that. And we've got some really nice deals with people that we struck up since um since doing the bar that we we kind of get access to a lot of cool stuff and I yeah i was going to ask you uh, uh trying to go into more detail about the daya deal you just got yeah well so we just we just had a quite a good relationship with daya and i feel like we aligned quite well branding wise well daya make probably one of my top three beers um yeah. steady rolling man which is like, I mean, if you ever, Connor, if you ever get to try, I'll send you some. In no, thank you. Uh, I'll send you a little care package. I'll get your dress after. But Imagine. you, th- this this craft beer is like everyone will like it. Right. Mom, I gave some to my mom who doesn't like beer, and she loved it. Really. And they just they just made this this beer, and it's just so perfect. It's like balanced. It's it's sweet, it's savory, it's hoppy, it's it's kind of bitter, it's but then it's also well balanced. Nice. So we we're really interested in getting them. So obviously around here, you know, we're in we're in Huddersfield, mm. Magic Rocks kind of mainstay mm. beer around here. Um, which is also obviously Magic Rock have sold out as well. Yeah, and I think it's it's kind of funny though in Huddersfield that they sold to a bigger company, but yeah. they still occupy that real you know you, you walk into a pub around here and it's not fosters on the menu or peroni it's magic rock and what's so weird about huddersfield is as a kind of microcosm is that you're kind of every man drinks craft beer because yeah. magic rock are in every pub around here and that's a really good thing for us that yeah of course it is yeah but like the standard is magic rock mm. who make real also you know, yeah, they've sold to a bigger company and stuff. And if anyone wrote me a check for a million pounds, I'm sure I would take it also. Oh, yeah. I'm nothing against them, like. But you, I think that that's as the kind of benchmark. Yeah. That's what we're dealing with. So we wanted to bring something in like Daya that offered this like huge kind of like presence of, of, of craft beer and stuff like that. But mm-hmm. that was accessible, that was. You know, we, we're going to sell Magic Rock at, our, at, at, the, at the bar um, and sell like a kind of one of their kind of main stays around here and then a special 
because we hope that people will come to us because we sell that. We're also very, we're also about 20 meters away from Magic Rocks tap room. Um, and they've been very good to us. Mm. But we just thought rather than kind of being a full bar of that, mm. we would try and bring in stuff. So we've also actually got fine as our cask beer. Nice. And just had a Yarl. Yeah. So we've got, we're going to have Yarl as our kind of house. As part of it today. Very good. Yeah. Yarl's is amazing. Um, and Sam from Daya sort of put us in touch with them and it's, it's worked out really well, but we, we're just trying to offer people a, the breadth of craft beer that's available yeah. in the UK that's yeah. really, really fucking good. Mm. Um, we'll yeah. have Farmyard on some draft. I'm yeah. sure we'll sort that action out. Yeah, we can do that, no problem. Can't wait to see that. It's interesting you say that about, about Magic Rock. I've, um, I used to work in Huddersfield myself um and yeah. Then, yeah there's a guy called, i used to work for a company called simply biz who were based in the football stadium uh yeah. ken, ken david was our chairman and there's a guy called matthew smith that i i worked with um worked with and he's a he's a follower of you uh he listens to the podcast all the time and he's a massive massive craft beer fan he likes all your stuff i've seen his name pop up on every single thing that you out. he's a massive massive craft beer fan but he always sends me pictures of stuff that he's having and the amount of depth and detail that he goes into when he's describing how much he's enjoyed it is phenomenal phenomenal and if that's the kind of person that will be coming to to your new place your new bar that is the ideal character you want going there and it will really take off it's really strong here like it's a weird i think because we're kind of not a big town people sort of don't look at it as a craft beer place Mm. but you know there's other shops here Oh, there's all these like small meccas and places, you know. Yeah, it's like when it comes bubble. to craft beer, mm. and I think, but I think it's really nice that we've got a kind of community feel to to it, and and everyone's kind of partaking in it. Last dollars at the bar. Well, Luke, it's been it's been fantastic to to get to know you and get to know your your future aspirations and what you're doing currently. So, thank you for coming on Friday nights in with Farmyard Ales, Danny. Um, thank you for setting it up. It's been it's been a really good episode. This wasn't it. Loved it, yeah. It's great to speak to Luke and uh, it's exciting to see what the future holds for him. Absolutely. Looking forward to uh, two invites to the soft opening. <laughs> yeah, thanks for, thanks for having me as well. Guys. How can people follow uh, O'Brien's Bottle Shop uh, and obviously the new bar that's opening? Have you got any social media that they can follow? Yeah, so we've, we've got um, at O'Brien's Bottle Bar, but like our main Instagram is O'Brien's Bottle Shop. So Instagram. Fantastic. 